Good morning, everybody. My name is Chris. If we haven't met, I am the Young Adult and Missions Minister here at Lutheran Church of Hope, Des Moines. Really glad to see you. Uh, super thankful to be with you. For a lot of you, maybe in this over this last weekend around a table perhaps, or just this last Thursday, somebody inevitably would ask the question as if they were the first person ever to think of it. Hey, let's all list things that we're thankful for. And so uh, I get the opportunity today to speak on behalf of Hope's staff and myself just say that we are super thankful for you all. Uh, we're thankful for all of you who give, um, whether it's financially or give of your time or give of your talents here at Lutheran Church of Hope. Uh, even if you're just here for the first time, we're super grateful for you that you're here. Um, we say at the beginning of every service, we don't believe it's an accident that you're here. And what we mean by that isn't that we're like pulling some magic string to like, like you're a puppet and God has like marched you into this church. What we mean is that like, we've been praying that we would be able to bless you with the love that we feel like we have, and we're super grateful that you're here and that we get the opportunity to do that. So I'm also thankful to be able to continue this scripture series that we've been on. In case you didn't notice, there have been like four, the last four weeks, this scripture has been the same, and nobody made a mistake. It's, it's supposed to be that way. Uh, we've just finished our building campaign, like Katie said, uh, Building Hope Together. And that wasn't just about money, it was about how can we envision for the future what we want hope to be. And uh, that's been wonderful, and this week we're finishing up the last week. Um, it is no longer the building campaign, but we are going to give this scripture one last, uh, one last sermon, one last go of it. I would like to start this morning like I usually like to with a story. This one's a nonfiction story, it's about the beginning of civilizations on earth, the first groups of people. So... At the very beginning, when people started to get together, they started to notice things. They noticed that at the beginning of the day, this ball of light would come up on one side of the world, come all the way across, and come down on the other side of the world, the same place every day. It happened so regularly that they could actually keep time by it. They realized when it was in the sky, it was really warm, and when it went away, it was really cold. They also noticed that there was this water that just fell from the sky occasionally. And when the sky, when the rain and the sun were in equal proportions with each other, then the plants and the ground would grow. And when the plants and the ground would grow, then the animals would eat them and they would get even bigger and stronger. But when the plants went away, the animals would die out. Short, long way to say, people started to notice that things were connected. And they started to make connections between actions that they could take and what was happening, whether or not those actions were actually helpful. Sacrifice a chicken, maybe the sun would come back. Sacrifice a cow, maybe the rain would come back. And that's all well and good, but what happens when it's not just a rainy week, but a rainy season? What happens when the rain doesn't come back for weeks or even months? And then your crops start to die, and then your animals start to die. You keep giving more and more of what you're supposed to give, right? But all of a sudden that situation of it's just not raining, it's a drought, all of a sudden starts to feel like I haven't done enough. What this leads to is an Aztec civilization that kept trying to give more and more each year until eventually at the beginning of every year they'd sacrifice babies to ensure that they had good crop yield. That's the extreme version but what I want you to hear from that is that they thought that their sacrifices controlled their environments. They thought that their actions controlled 
their circumstance. And I actually picked this because how, how barbaric and foreign this seems from like our modern everyday world that we have now because I think that if we're really honest with ourselves, we can see this type of thinking in our own culture now and if we're completely honest in our own lives. And I have an illustration to, suggest, to, uh, to kind of demonstrate this that's very different than that story. So go with me if you will. It is the height of my athletic career. Eighth grade, B-team, full contact football. <laughs> yeah, buddy. We were playing our crosstown rivals, the evil Stillwell Junior High School Tigers. I was on the kickoff team, you know, where all football superstars are. And <laughs> I was the signal starter for the kickoff team. What that means is that we'd go out for the kickoff and we would be kicking, and I would make sure that I kind of had my back, I stood next to the ball and had my back to the, to, the, to the defense, and I would make sure that we had enough people on the field and everybody was where they were supposed to be. Then I gave the signal to the kicker, and he would go and kick, kick the ball, and I'd say go, and we'd run down the field. Now, if you're familiar with football, you might say to yourself, Chris, I don't recognize this position. That's because in adult football, it doesn't exist. But in eighth grade, it was mine, and I was proud of it. There's also this thing in football called the onside kick. Now, the onside kick is this thing in football. Instead of on the kickoff, kicking it all the way down the field to the, to the other team so that they run it back, there's a rule that says if you kick it sideways like, and it goes at least 10 yards and your guys get to it first, you get to have the ball back. And the reason that this thing exists is because what, like, if you're really far behind, then this gives you a chance to catch up. And we were behind against our crosstown rivals, the evil Stillwell Junior High School Tigers. And so I was a part of what is called a sneak play. I would stand there as the starter and check, you know, how many people we have in the field, is everybody where they're supposed to be. Then I would signal the kicker, but instead of saying go and running down the field, I'd just turn around and kick it sideways. Now, those of you who know football can say the onside kick works almost never. It's very unsuccessful. And why, why does it not work very well? Because usually, like, you kick it, and then the folks come, and they, the folks from the other team, they just get it. And so that's, you know, that's usually why, why it happens. It's very difficult to pull off. And in all the times that we had practiced it, it had worked never. It never worked. We had never tried it in a game. But our coach called this play. And I remember walking out. My individual success did not reflect on the team like at any other point in the year. And I remember sweating bullets walking out there and I, I will never forget what I was thinking to myself, which is the reason that I tell you all this story today. I remember thinking, God, if you just help me to do this, if this goes well, I will do anything to make it up to you. I mean, I kind of deserve this, right? Like I go to church, I honor my father and mother. I'm like a good kid. I go to power life. God, if you help this happen, I will memorize so many scripture verses just to like do more memory verses. Just be better. I'll be in church any chance I get. And as luck would have it, we kicked it and they, we, we got it back and then we, we won the game. I actually don't know if that's the case, but that's how I remember it and that's how you all are going to remember it. <laughs> Facts don't matter. There we go. It's a funny story, but don't, don't miss the point. Can you see where the thinking is kind of the same? If I just do this, then I've earned the right for things to go well for me. Or the inverse is if something goes wrong, you think, what did I do to deserve this? 
Sometimes, I don't know if you've had a season, a year, a period of your life where just the universe seems to be against you, and because it feels like we don't deserve it. This sneaks into our faith too. John, John, Pastor John said it before, that some people become Christians, they decide to follow Jesus, and then they come back really surprised. They say, things actually got a lot harder. I thought everything was supposed to go smoothly because there's this idea that if we just arrange our mental or spiritual furniture just the right way, we'll hit the path of least resistance and life will be smooth sailing. There's actually a book in the, entire Bi- in the Bible uh, called Job. The entire book is about a guy named Job where things just bad things just happen to this guy. And he keeps, one of his gripes in the book is like, why are bad things happening to me? I seem to be a good guy. Because back then, even in that ancient Jewish culture, it was that same thing. If I just do the right things, if I'm just a good person, then good things will happen to me. But bad things kept happening to him, and we know that that's not always the way it works out. Because we live in a world that operates on the logic of an eye for an eye. We reap what we sow, and it's the, the logic of karma. Colossians 3, uh, 12 through 17 is the verse that we've been uh, the verses that we've been going through this last few weeks, and we act as if it reads. I'll have it on the screen. We, we pretend and behave in our lives like it reads, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, so that God, God chooses you to be one of his people, holy and dearly loved. But that's not what it says. What it actually says on the screen, let's read it together. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I know it's subtle, but did you catch the difference? You were loved first. The actions that are suggested in the verse aren't just something that got you into the club or earned you a spot, moved you from the box of out to in. Instead, the actions were something that just happened as a product of realizing that you're loved. And even if you make a mistake, grace is there because you were loved first. Adam and Eve, you know, first people ever that, of that kind of fame. Adam and Eve, what did they have to do? Like thinking back on page like two or three of the Bible, what did they have to do to earn their spot, their first full day of life in the garden? It, it's a trick question because it's nothing. Right. Yeah, they were given an instruction, right? But what they were instructed to do to earn their spot in that garden was nothing. Their first full day of life was on the day that God rested. Their first full day of life was Sabbath. Friends, I invite you to consider this today. What does it look like to start from a place of rest? What does it look like to start from a place of love, a place of knowing where you stand, not just working for the weekend, but, but starting from there? Because, I, guys, I, I know it, and we can be honest with each other. Holidays are really hard. Maybe for you, this last week, this Thanksgiving, was like one of your least favorite times of the year because this was the one year you weren't going to argue with Uncle Ted about politics at the table, and it ended up happening anyway. Maybe this was going to be the one year where somebody showed up and they still didn't. Maybe this is the one year where 
You thought that you were going to be somewhere and you're just still back at the same old place. Holidays are hard. And even though, you know, it's the hap, hap, happiest time of the year coming into this Advent season, it's really stressful for a lot of people. So much expectation, so many different things piled on people. And it's a whole lot of anxiety-inducing times. And it's hard, regardless of your circumstance. But I think that the opportunity for us this weekend as a church community and also as individuals, is to start from a place of thanksgiving. Not turkey and stuffing and gravy, but a place of true thanksgiving, being thankful for what you have, whatever that is, whatever that thing is that God has put in your hands that makes you you, to be thankful and start from there. How would life look different if, instead of starting from a place of love, starting from the place and from a knowledge that you're loved already. Maybe a visual representation to help us know that we are loved and see what that does to us. There was this film project that this student did in high school. It was a really big high school, and they they were a film student. They went around, and they were filming people that they didn't have huge relationships with. Maybe they had, you know, a class with them or something, but these weren't best friends. And... They explained to them, they said, can I film you for my project? And they said, well, what, what's the project? And they said, I'm taking pictures of things that I find beautiful. I'm taking pictures of things that I find beautiful. This is not a romantic gesture. This was an affirmation that something inside them is good. What you see on the left are the pictures of what, when they were being asked if they could take pictures of them. You can see it. Skepticism, cynicism, the wall that we put up, and on the right is literally less than three seconds later from all of those pictures when they're told, I'm taking pictures of things that I find beautiful. That affirmation, that calling out of something good in us. Do you see the transformation of this? And this is just from somebody saying something nice to someone. Imagine what would happen if we were to start from a place of knowing that we're loved and using what God's given us to live that life that we've been given. You can see it. On the right, I would suggest, is what it looks like to start from that place. That's what happens when people are told their value. And we're not only get to live better than before, but we also then help to get to recognize the goodness and call that out in other people. That's just one statement. What else could we do? Now, the rest of Colossians 3, uh, 15 through 17, I'll read it to you. We just went through the first part of that verse. I know that we've heard it several times now across the week, but the last couple of verses say, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Thanksgiving. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish each other with all the wisdoms through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, a lot of you are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Songs? Singing? Chris, you seem like a nice guy. Jed, that worship leader guy, seems really nice. He really is nice. Say, he seems really cool, and I think it's so nice that people volunteer their time. They're really talented folks at Hope. Good for them for putting that together, but Christian music, really? 
Like, that's just really not my jam. Like, good for you guys. I never really understood the whole hand-raising thing. I never really understood. Like, it's just maybe just not for me, Chris. Pastor guy, totally fine. It's you, but it's just not me. And worshiping in a church service context is important to express gratitude to God. And with respect to that, I would like to suggest today that that's maybe not what this verse is talking about. It's not just talking about praising and singing in church. It talks about three things, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. What are those three things if we really look at it? Psalms are just writings expressing the entire depths and spectrums of the human emotion. There are psalms that say, God is my rock and my fortress. There are psalms that say, great is his faithfulness to me in my life. And there is also a psalm that says, God, please kill my enemies and let me watch while you do it. The whole spectrum of human emotion is there in the Psalms. Hymns are oftentimes just Psalms put to music. Hymns are the songs singing to God the true words of your heart. Hymns are just, there are hymns that are sad, there are hymns that are happy, joyful, sorrowful, but there are also hymns that are a little salty, a little frustrated with their circumstances. Hymns are just Psalms put to music and songs from the Spirit the truest expression of what you feel in your being. We have a lot of songs from the Spirit every day in our lives. When we fully express what is in our heart, that is a song of the Spirit. Sometimes it's not pretty, but it's still true. So to truly speak psalms and sing hymns and songs from the Spirit together is to do it in only the way that we can, which is to say, as ourselves using what's individual about us to bring it to the group. That's why we need to do it together. If we all needed to do it the same, we could just like switch out. But we bring our own special, unique blessing, what God has put in our hands to bring it to the group. There's this guy um, that you might have heard of in the past. There's a story in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, There's this guy named David. David is the youngest of eight sons which is a challenge in and of itself, if you're the younger kid in a big family. He's the youngest of eight sons, and he's a shepherd. Now, we get a lot of pictures of what we understand shepherds to be from nativity scenes, which are little kids that are playing with cute, fluffy, white, clean sheep. I don't know if you have ever been around a sheep, but it is rarely clean, and it smells terrible. (laughs) And shepherds back in the day were kind of the outcasts of society because they were always on the outskirts of town with their sheep, They spent more time with sheep than with any other people. They smelled like the sheep. They were truly the outcasts. And for David to be a shepherd as a little kid is an indicator of what his parents maybe thought of where he was going in life. Now at the same time, there were these people called the Philistines. Uh, The Philistines... were were this nation of people that just beat up on Israel all the time. And they were on kind of in that uh, line of things now. What would happen is uh, they actually had this guy named Goliath. Goliath, uh, it says how many shekels his armor was weighted with. The best understanding that we have now is 125 pounds was how heavy his armor is. That's a big dude. And they said, the Philistines said, our army will leave. Our army, yeah, see, David and Goliath, see? Uh, The Philistines said, if anyone can beat Goliath, our army will leave. Fair enough. 
because he beat so many people day after day after day. Any man that Israel could put forth, their best warriors paled in comparison to this giant human being who had no respect for those folks and no one could prosper against him. Now, David wasn't even supposed to be there that day. His dad told him, here, take some bread to your brothers. You know, the brothers, the other brothers that were good enough to fight the army, that were strong enough, that were manly enough, that were powerful enough. David, go bring your brothers some bread. They might need something. Go make yourself useful. He was bringing bread to his brothers, and he heard this guy, Goliath, shouting things about his people, things about his, his family. And he said, somebody's got to put a stop to that. And everybody's like, okay. Because nobody had come back from it. And David said, well, I'll do it. And he's like, what? Because here's something else. Sure, shepherds, no expectation. They're dirty. They're disrespected. But guess what else shepherds do? They defend their flock. See, in that area of the world, most likely David would have had to fight off wolves would have had to fight off different kinds of wildcats that are native to that area, maybe even had to fight off lions, depending on where he was. And so he stepped out in his shepherd's clothes, dirty, disrespected, but he had this thing called a sling. And a sling is just a piece of, like, is a piece of leather with cords on it, and you put a tiny little rock in there, and I guarantee you, I very rarely say I guarantee you something in the Bible, I guarantee you somebody laughed at David. I guarantee you Goliath did. He stepped out with his sling, this thing he had used to defend his flock. It was basically like bringing a popsicle stick to a gunfight, let alone a knife, against this giant man. And he picked it up, he started to swing it around. Swing, and it would just pick up more and more and more speed. And all of a sudden, he would just let it fly. This guy, who was not supposed to amount to anything, the scripture says it struck Goliath in the head and he fell down dead. He was supposed to be nothing, but he was able to accomplish what no other man could because he used what God had given him, his identity, who he was, the shepherd boy. He had succeeded. There's another story about David. You see, Israel wasn't supposed to have a a human king. It was just supposed to be God, but they complained enough. They're like, we want a king, and so God's like, all right, fine. And he gave him one and was not really that successful. And so they were looking for a new one. And Samuel, who was a uh, messenger from God, he was a prophet, but somebody who speaks on behalf of God, said said to David's dad, Jesse, hey, you got a lot of kids. Can I come by and see if any of them are the king? Like, who are gonna be the next king? They're gonna pick the next one. And he brings his sons in front of him, one after another. Here's... My strongest son, nope. Here's my smartest son, nope, not that one. This son's best at, nope, 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 nope. Samuel turns to Jesse and says, you got any more kids? And Jesse says, well, yeah, actually, I I got David, and he's still in the field. Did you catch what happened there? When he was asked to see if any of his sons were going to be the next king, he didn't even bring David in the house. Didn't even bring him in, but David came in with his dirt and his filth and his shepherd's clothes that meant nothing to him. And Samuel looked at him, the messenger of God looked at him and said, that's our king. 
Sometimes God sees what other people can't see. Because after that story is the story of David and Goliath, where David does what only he could do and defeats someone no one else could, and he did it the only way he knew how. He did it as himself. You have things that no one else sees as valuable. Maybe nobody else sees it, but God sees it as praise. You can only bring praise and worship as yourself when you start from that place of being loved. You don't have to try to do it like everybody else. You don't have to try to be somebody else, the person that everybody else thinks you should be because God has blessed you with something that makes you you and you can use that to praise God. David didn't try to fight like somebody else. He didn't try to pick up somebody else's big sword and say, well, how did everybody else do this? He went outside in his, in his disrespected status with the most pathetic weapon anyone had ever tried to fight the Philistines with and he won. So friends, that's the invitation today. We're going to sing one last song. and Allow yourself to truly be thankful for what you have, whatever it is. Whatever God has blessed you with, whoever he has made you uniquely to be, it is enough. You can be the best accountant, the best police officer. You can be the best laborer, any of those things. That can be praise. That can be used to worship God. And it belongs here because you belong here. So as we sing together, know that you are loved because that can change everything. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you have made us specially and holy with something that we get to hold that is ours. Lord, for those of us who might not know what that is today, God, I pray that we, your spirit would move and we would know the blessings of our life. God, help us to shine whatever light we have been given for the glory of your name and your church, God. We thank you for your son, Jesus, God. We thank you for the fact that we are loved. Amen. Let's, let's stand and sing together.